Welcome to Choosing Leadership, a podcast for high performers with big dreams and for leaders who know that they are more powerful than the level that they are currently playing. I am Sumit Gupta, your host and the founder CEO of the Deploy Yourself School of Leadership. I am here to help the best leaders get better and to help organizations massively improve their output and impact and at the same time eradicating workplace stress. Yes completely eradicating not just reducing completely eradicating i believe in creating a future and a work culture where people wait for mondays not fridays and get to do their most meaningful work the aim of this podcast is not to provide you more content but instead shift the context under which you operate this podcast is titled choosing leadership because that is what leadership is a choice In each episode I will celebrate leaders who have made such choices which are not always easy and comfortable but which has helped them get to where they are today. And let us celebrate the leader in us for choosing to move over our fears, for choosing to be motivated by something bigger than ourselves and for choosing to deal with every challenge that comes on the way. Let us celebrate you right now for stepping into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership at the end i will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast and with that let's get started marvia is the founder and ceo of mindclip behavior and a co-founder of accelerator frankfurt which is one of the top 20 innovation hubs in the world in the interview maria shares the role curiosity has played in her life to bringing her to where she is today we talk about the fear of failure and how often people perceive her as being scary and how she deals with that by sharing and being open about her own imperfections and vulnerabilities hi maria welcome to the choosing leadership podcast thank you very much sumit so wonderful to have you here and for our listeners uh, can you start by sharing a little bit about who you are and what do you do Perfect. So, yeah, so I'm Maria. Uh, you could say that um, and maybe not your typical Finn, but uh, I was educated as an engineer. So I did engineering and then I did a degree in an MBA in the UK, in US and France. And I did my last degree in organizational psychology from INSEAD. So you could say that I have touched all these, uh, I would say, important parts of being a leader, being a running a business. And what I did still, I worked for normal, you know, corporates for over 17 years in my early career until I decided to become an entrepreneur. And that happened actually when I was in China. And in the beginning, I was helping um, companies to get investments and then settling in the Asian market. But later, I became more of an, I would say, an angel investor, which led me then you know, back to Germany and setting up an acceleration program, Accelerator Frankfurt, where the focus was always to bring companies who want to enter the German financial um, market with their products and my latest endeavor is actually um, developing the software because I, what i realized during those years of helping founders building you know good teams and communicating with each other and getting over all kind of conflicts that you can have when you set up a company was that there's uh, some small mistake or let's say a feature that's missing from many of these kind of evaluation programs or let's say coaching groups, is that they focus on the individual and i realized that you have to always think about the whole team so that's what we did with mindclip that we developed a product 
that helps people, you know, to understand each other's behavior and actually give feedback and change the behavior and have more open communication and hopefully also being able to resolve conflicts much faster. Thank you. Thank you. I think that spans a whole lot of uh, like almost the entire world. Like you've traveled a lot, you've studied a lot. But before before we get into that, right, can you share like what, where is it coming from, right? There is a, there is a common thread which is connecting like maybe engineering to psychology, corporate to startup, uh, entrepreneurship. What's the backstory? Well, I think probably my driver has always been curiosity. So I was always, I don't think I ever had really like a career path in my mind or, you know, anything that I really wanted to do. I was always curious of learning more, seeing where does the road go. And uh, probably that one and always like try to maybe step out a bit of my own comfort zone. Because <clears throat> I always remember, you know, being an engineer, working for a Finnish big, big um, company. And then I was told that now I was in the step that I would need to do some kind of leadership training. And they told me to do an MBA. And I said, well, I already have one MBA. And I was thinking, so what would I need? And I realized that I was <clears throat> not very good with people. Mm-hmm. So I told my uh, my boss that, uh, you know, they say that when the student is ready, the teacher will come. And I found this program from INSEAD, Coaching uh, for Change and Challenge, which was about people, understanding what motivates people and in that way, you know, leading them through that vision. And my boss looked at me and said, but Maria, you are not a people's person. Why do you do this? And I was like, exactly because of that, because I need to learn. And it was an amazing experience, I have to say, you know, <clears throat> the first day I'm sitting there next to this very old looking man. I didn't know at the time that he was 76, but uh, we are 40 people. And there's this one, uh, you know, <clears throat> ex-CEO um, of a mining company in South Africa. And they start talking about empathy. And we are like, wow. and I was like, oh God, you paid for this. But of course, you know, then when you uh, understand what does it mean? And if, if you understand that this, we're always dealing with people. And if you don't understand what motivates them and, you know, what what, is, what are their drivers? Empathy. I think my mistake was always that I mixed up empathy with sympathy and mm-hmm. didn't understand that actually empathy is that you just have to understand that they people have the right to think what they want about things. Now, you don't have to agree with that. And for yeah. me, that was really a you know, big aha moment. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. so before we go into right uh, people and empathy, uh, I want to come back to curiosity. Right. So what has Mm -hmm. uh, or who have been uh, like some of the key people in your life who have influenced you? Because uh, I also know a lot of youngsters (laughs) growing up can have a very fixed, very focused mindset. And curiosity Mm -hmm. by default, uh, like is wide, is uh, like maybe being okay with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So can you share a bit more about how were you or who influenced you to build that as a mindset for you? Oh, it's a very tough question. I think my problem is always, I remember these questions about who are your idols or, <clears throat> I don't think I actually ever had one, not like a real uh, idol. I think I always try to probably look around me and think if there were people that I thought, hey, you know, that kind of behavior looks like uh, something that is needed. And I think one of my one of my uh, earlier bosses, actually, I like the comment that he made. Uh, he said that, you know, Maria, you need to choose your battles. And I think that was probably sometimes when you're young, you think that you can't tolerate any kind of injustice and you think you need to fix the world. And of course you can't. So in, in a way that trying to do those things that you think uh, are important and, and that you care about and that you maybe can have some kind of impact. So I can't say that, of course, there are always you know, these big, uh, big names in the, in, the, in the industry you have, like Steve Jobs, that he was able to build amazing things. But I think it's... Uh, 
probably also when you look at people who are able to from being humble and you know changing the world and well you could say that in in India I mean he was able to throw away another nation from his country by being passive and I think that's like something you know amazing I mean that you can with your own essence make other people change so that could be I would say probably be like a great idol but yeah and what have been uh, some of those key instances like that have that either you have learned to deal with very differently than when you started or like where you have uh, maybe not managed mm. to do as well and then that has provided you a lesson an important lesson or a shift for your life yeah i think one of the key lessons of course is um, you know what i learned in insead one of our professors said that what would you do if you couldn't fail and I think we have all probably inside of us this fear of failing that we are not, I don't know, if, if whether we're not good enough, but that whatever we decided to use all our energy and probably also money is not going to succeed. And I think that's something that uh, in theory, it's easier to understand. Yeah, of course, this is how it is. But then until it happens to you, it's still very theoretical. And of course, sometimes, you know, those moments when you realize that you have to stop doing something that doesn't, it's not working. So I think those moments are probably like very painful, very hurtful, but uh, yeah, they, they are the ones that help you grow and, and realize that you didn't die in the end anyway, and you will be wiser for the next time, whatever you do. So I think that's the thing that pushing your limits and it's not, you know, everybody fails. So if you fail, okay, but you learn something mm -hmm. from it. So just don't be afraid of that because it's, it should be, like they say, it, it becomes easier to fail over time. So <laughs> do it a couple of times, of course, not with the purpose of failing, but with the idea that should not be your limiting factor when you're, whatever you're choosing to do. Yeah. But can you share how that question itself has uh, shaped your life? Did you stop doing anything which you realized that you're doing out of fear? Or what is it that you realized was the, was at the other end of that question? Mm, yeah. Well, if I think about really way back, what is maybe something that people could really relate to is uh, sometimes, you know, when people are learning a new language, they are very much afraid of using it because they think they're going to make mistakes. And I think uh, the only maybe bad thing about the Finnish education system is that the language learning is very much about grammar, that you, you learn to write correctly and speak correctly and not about actually to be understood. So I think my, my probably my first experience is when I went abroad, I went to France, I went to uh, Switzerland, and I had to use a language that I was probably not, you know, perfect at. And it just realized it doesn't matter. You can make mistakes, but you know, the main thing is to be understood. So I think that kind of things, and of course, if I think about then for more than for the business side or, or money-wise, is that sometimes you invest in a company and you really want them to succeed. And at some point, you know, you realize it, it's not going to work. So like they say that you can't keep on putting money, good money into something that's not going to work. And sometimes it's very hard to, to admit that, okay, now it's time to just to stop and let the company go down. Yeah. And uh, like one thing which I have learned from my own experience is that many of those foundational uh, like uh, cultural things which we learned when we were very young become a part of our nature, right? So getting things right and uh, trying to avoid mistakes is, becomes so much part of our culture that it creates that fear that you were talking about, right? Yeah. So how has that uh, spanned for you? Because entrepreneurship by definition, <laughs> dealing with more failures than successes or more no's than yes, and engineering by definition is reducing those uh, like variables and then trying to predict, trying to control, or trying to come up with a solution which doesn't fail, right? So I do see these very two different spectrums. Yeah. Uh, so how has that, like, what have you learned about yourself by shifting between these two worlds? Yeah, well, well I think I still am certain not perfect. I think I still have, you know, difficulties if I like an idea or I like a product that to really say, hey, this is not maybe going to work, or we have to choose a different kind of approach to, to that. 
So because when I think about the couple of first startups that I also founded, so they failed. And uh, I think it does help to have somebody co-founding the company with you because then you have two, let's say, reasons, uh, brains to just look at the things a bit, maybe a bit more objectively and say, hey, you know what, this is not going to work. Let's, you know, cut it and do something else. And of course, sometimes also that you can't, let's say, rely always on, sometimes we think like one of the startups that, that, that we founded was, uh, was relying on some kind of new technology that was going to be available. And when the technology came, it wasn't at that stage that it was in a way promised. So in a way, not to be too dependent on things that you can't control. So yeah, it's failing is always hurtful, but you know, if it wouldn't hurt, it would mean that it didn't mean anything to you. So I think it's, it's, it's part of the process that, uh, and I think the, maybe what, what does happen over years, I hope happens to other people too, is that you become more forgiving to yourself. You know, you realize, you know what? Yeah. Okay. So it happened, but you know, let's take the learnings, this and that. And uh, yeah, it makes us just human. It's certainly a cultural thing. I think now when I'm in Germany, I can see this really big fear of failing or making mistakes, especially, I, I don't think it is in startups. I mean, if you set up a company, you are in a way setting it up with the with the real fact that it has a high percentage chance of failing. But when you are, for example, a B2B startup and you're dealing with corporates <laughs> and understanding that they are very much failure you know, avoidant and, uh, and it's very hard to get into that market. And also this kind of, for them maybe to admit that they are not that failure friendly that they try to pretend to be, because I mean, it's quite easy question to ask for a company that, okay, so if you are so failure friendly, so give me, tell me a project that failed. And then they will tell you the, what, whatever project was a fail. And then you ask, so where are those people who were in this failed project? And normally none of them is left because it is not a failure friendly, you know, you know, environment. So I think that's the, uh, yeah. So trying to maybe failing fast or like trying to optimize the moment when is the time to quit something. But I, I don't think you can ever become really, um, you know, perfect in that. But of course, the more, let's say, engineering wise milestones you have for yourself set and saying, okay, if I don't reach this, then it's time to quit. Or if I don't reach that, then it's time to quit or doing things or five people to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And right. As you were talking about people as well, uh, how do you communicate this or how do you, so as a leader or as an entrepreneur, if you have changed your relationship with fear of failure, mm. but others are still coming from their old like, contexts or different cultures, how when you work with teams or when you even coach or advise other startups, how do you communicate this newfound wisdom or lessons mm. to others who either don't have that <clears throat> experience or like how do you empathize with their understanding of uh, control, wanting to control mm. or anxiety, which comes after letting go of control? And then still communicate that we have to move forward. We have to be okay with failure. Yeah, I, I think that the thing is you can't force people. So in a way you need to hopefully together find a, like a, some kind of way that they can deal with. So like make taking small risks, not, not like, ah, let's go and do something totally crazy. But, you know, like with the communication with people, ask them, what do they think is like too far? And what would be like something that they think it's still risky, but, it, you know, you know, they mm -hmm. could imagine doing it. And find those small steps of, uh, of of that bit outside of the comfort zone. But obviously there are people who cannot handle failure. If they can't handle it, then they should be doing something that is far away from failure as possible. And that's also fine. But I think in the, everything starts in a way of the, your own, you know, like this kind of self-awareness that you understand how willing am I to take risk? Where is for me a good place to be? 
but still, am I willing to take these kind of little risks? If I am, then okay, I can ask help from others to, to push me. But uh, I think that's in, in a way, like you said, if you are in a team that needs to be very much pushy and very much pushing the boundaries, you cannot have a lot of people who are not willing to do that. Maybe it's good to have one or two people because then maybe they also are like this, the sounding board and the reason saying, oh God, you know, if you did to think about this and this, if you did that. So in a way you have to have different kind of people with different kind of mindsets also to not be just crazily going against the wall under an AG and, you know, bad consequences. Yeah. But yeah, thank you for adding that. And as you do that, right, as you play in your role as mm. entrepreneur, as founder, is there something which people get wrong or misunderstand <laughs> about you? And then how do you deal with that dynamic? Well, I think it's many times, of course, when we talk about people, it's this kind of perception we have of people. And uh, I actually sometimes get, I'm told that I'm very scary and not everybody, but, you know, sometimes people who don't know me, they think I'm scary. And, and I think it comes from this, uh, probably the way how you behave as a person, how, you know, like how you're perceived and how you are certain maybe of things, how you say, say, say stuff. And, uh, but of course, once you get to know people and then, uh, you know, okay, Maybe not that scary. It just looks this way. So I think the important thing is always like to check with people, whatever the, the thing is that you think that you you are, how you're being perceived or how people, what, what they think about you is to ask, you know, and, and I think mm -hmm. feedback is always, you know, the most important thing. And sometimes we are just, I think, totally unnecessarily afraid of feedback because we forget that people have opinions about us and feedback about us, whether we ask it or not. So it's better maybe to ask for it and not live in this kind of fear of unknown. And I think this is probably also part of this kind of fear that people are many times over-exaggerate, you know, something like, like, let's say they're in a group and they do something and they think, oh, that was so stupid. Everybody's like probably thinking about looking at it. Nobody even noticed because it's how we perceive those things. And that's why I think it's always good to have a little bit of checkup. Okay. Is it really like, like this? And ask others, what do you think? Or if you think you have a crazy idea or... Um, ask, yeah. share it with others. It will yeah. help to put perspective into things. In. Yeah, yeah. And I think for anybody who is listening, right, they might have this question, right? If uh, if you are perceived as scary or in any one particular way, how do you get the feedback or how do you get people to be open? Because that perception might itself make it unsafe for people to share with you. Exactly. Can you share how does that mm. work for yeah. you in a, like a practical <laughs> conversation? Absolutely. Then you have to share about this. You know, you have to share with people things that they think, okay, well, she's not so, so scary. If you, for example, share something that it's not like a perfect person, a picture of a person, but you know, whatever that might be, like something about your personal story. Uh, I think, um, uh, what, what could it be? Whatever, like I had uh, three startups and they all failed. And uh, now we are pushing with the fourth one or the fifth, fifth one and let's see how it goes. So I think it's... Uh, it's about being not trying to be perfect and sharing and asking people, like just showing that they even care about the opinion, asking, so what do you think about this? And, you know, just waiting until they reply something. And I think that's the only way that you need to build a communication and be a bit open uh, about yourself and what you think about things. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, mm. uh, there is a lot of emphasis on listening when it comes to empathy or building a relationship. But many often we miss the power of simply sharing and especially sharing something which we don't like to share. There is a lot of uh, power uh, in being open and being vulnerable in front of somebody because that builds that connection as you were just mentioning, right? Absolutely. So now coming back to the present moment, right? To your current startup, to your current role, what are some of the challenges that you see in the next few years? 
<laughs> well, I think uh, like with our startup, I'm of course, I'm an engineer. So looking for technical solution, I think, oh, this is a perfect technical solution for this problem. I'm sure everybody will love it. And then you realize that, that uh, the problem is that for people to use it, they can't be afraid of the results. And uh, I think for us, we had to also like shift our approach a bit. So um, my idea, of course, was that we're just going to sell software and people are going to use this tool and they're going to, this is going to be amazing because they will get feedback from not only, you know, their own self-reflection, but also feedback from their team. And then I realized, or oh, the feedback was clear that people are afraid of giving other people feedback, that they, they could still do the feedback for themselves, but, you know, to get feedback from others, is like really scary. Uh, and uh, so we had to change it. Okay, so we, we, the approach is now that we are selling workshops to people so they can understand what is behavior, what kind of behavior styles are there, yeah, and especially to understand that because we are different, you know, we and we have certain kind of be, be preferred behaviors, we also have our preferred ways of dealing when there is a conflict. We have our preferred defense mechanisms, and that is actually what hinders, of course, open communication. Because if people are afraid and they think, oh, what's going on now is going to make my life harder or difficult, or it's going to make me lose my job or whatever, something is going to change. And sometimes, you know, it can be, some people react to very small changes very strongly. And to make them understand that actually that's, of course, the key, of course, for communication, for CEO or, or leader or whoever, a team leader, to explain and communicate what is this change? What does it mean? Why are we doing it? Why is it you know, good for us? Because then we have, um, because of our different kind of ways of behaving, we might interpret someone not saying anything that they are agreeing with us. And of course they're not. They might be totally in panic, but they are, and they can't speak because they just can't even comprehend all this oh. stuff that they think is complicated. So having this kind of understanding about people are different and giving them the opportunity maybe to think about it, like not expecting immediate results or immediate answers, but say, hey, I know this is maybe something uh, quite new or big or whatever. So let's think about it and have, let's meet again tomorrow. And then, or maybe you can even write an email or message or whatever, because, you know, that they can then communicate in a more safe way, so to say, about it. So th this for us was also like, we had to take this kind of like a longer route and mm -hmm. do this kind of unscalable stuff first and that people get comfortable with the, with our tool and what we want to do. And then they can feel, ah, okay, this is why we're doing it. And now we can use then the software. So I think that's also to admit that you can't go around with the fact that people are people. So you have to adapt so that they feel comfortable, you know, using and they can see mm. the value, of course, in using the tool. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think uh, as a techie myself who has started companies, I can all see the attraction of uh, focusing too much on the product or the technology and missing the other side of the story, right? So when yeah. it comes to sales or business development or growing your business, I do see a lot of people with the technical background uh, miss that, like under-prioritize the value of sales. And uh, sales, I think, especially in B2B, is very people-driven. What has worked for you or what have you learned about prioritizing like technical side of, uh, of the business, which no doubt is very important, but also the business, like the real business side of the business itself? Yeah. Yeah, I think the main thing is like we're referring also to is that you need to listen to the client. I mean, what their feedback is and trying to, uh, you know, of course, address also like these kind of fears that they might have for using a product and make it as uh, user-friendly in that way. So it doesn't, uh, so you have taken out all the things that they might be afraid of. Like uh, also, of course, in Europe, we have 
GDPR and we have to be very careful with all the data that we collect. So everything is anonymized and you know only the user himself or herself can see the data. And this share data is not shared with the employer and that the employer only gets like anonymized data. So you have to be very clear in communicating what's going on with the with the product and how, where the data is saved. And that it's saved in Europe. It's not going to the US where they can do whatever with your data. And uh, and really helping also in a way um, the company to understand why are, why do they want to use the product that that how can they communicate it to their people so that sometimes also uh, people don't think they think it's uh, like I think many times we or people who are in a, in a leadership positions we think it's so evident so crystal clear mm-hmm. what we're doing I was just talking to a CEO of a, a rather big company in Finland last week and he was saying that you know. For him, it's so clear this the purpose of the company, and then he it's just bewildering sometimes when he sits in the in a management team meeting. They seem to not get it, and so I think this is like you have to repeat and somehow uh, inter- make help people to internalize why you're doing what you're doing. So I think it's yeah. yeah so really listening to the feedback, and I think like you said from the sales point of view, I think as a founder you have to sell your own product because that's in a way it's the only way also to get the feedback. Yeah, thank you. And I think one thing which I'm listening in everything, every answer that you're giving is uh, like the focus uh, on stepping back and listening, maybe taking a deeper look at things and then jumping back into doing or action. Right. So can you share what do you do for yourself to build that breathing space for yourself? Because I know a lot of leaders are so busy doing that their only focus is on doing more uh, rather than like taking a step back, looking at the big picture, then coming uh, back into. So what is it that uh, you do daily to build that perspective and to build that as a habit? Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I can't say that I wouldn't be victim of that uh, being busy myself. And I think it, sometimes it takes a, a child to tell you that, mommy, you've been quite, you know, edgy lately uh, or something that reminds you that, you know, because if you're too busy, if you're too stressed, of course, you, you don't have this kind of uh, space to be, you know, yourself but to become very edgy and you become like overstressed. So what I do, try to do is uh, that I actually, I meditate every morning, 20 minutes. And I do write this kind of thing called morning paper, which is like, just like a brain flow on the paper, mm-hmm. whatever is in your mind. Or, and sometimes of course, new ideas come that you, that you want to use. So I think, and you know, exercising, you have, I think keeping yourself uh, fit is very important. And also then in the end, I think sometimes it like, like in the last case, it took also for me a bit too long to realize that less is more and to really just start limiting your time when you do what, and, you know, also reserving time for, of course, like for creative stuff, but also for your family. And sometimes I think we forget this, especially if you have kids that, you know, they're not going to wait for you to grow up. Mm-hmm. They're there all the time. And uh, yeah, so really taking time for yourself and understanding what is important for you, because if you are just busy, your brain doesn't even work. And of course, what everybody says, the number one is the sleep enough. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, these are some of the elements which I do share with my clients as well. But right, if I would wear the devil's advocate hat right now, uh, can you, how would you answer somebody who would say, right, uh, what what do you mean by less is more, like, or how do spending less time at work will allow me to get better or more effective, mm. uh, right? Or how does meditation yeah. or journaling help? How would you answer that? <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, when, when you think about uh, like what, what is less is more, because if you start limiting the hours of work that you are going to work on a certain topic, whatever it's your company or something, then you have only the limited hours and then you have to prioritize. What are you going to do? And I think it depends, of course, in what stage you are as a company. But for example, for us, we need to generate cash. 
So anything that is to generate cash, we do. Everything else, we don't. So I think it's, you know, to have whatever the focus, or if it is that you need new uh, users or you need whatever that is that you're doing, that should be your focus and you should prioritize everything else. Okay, is this going to help me getting that? And I think it's it's like, I think the science speaks for itself. All the research speaks for itself, how important it is to take time for yourself and to meditate. I think for the brain to, even when you sleep, the brain is you know, getting rid of toxins and helping you to recuperate. And if you think about the child who's sick, what do they do? They just sleep. And I think that's like a sign that sleep is very important. Meditation, you're being with yourself. It seems to be really nowadays, people can't sit five minutes without having a phone in their hand. Yeah. I mean, why don't you try at least start with two minutes just uh, look out from the window and do nothing. And I think that will also, in a way, help your brain to recalibrate and see, is it was it really that, that busy, that thing that I had to do that I couldn't take three minutes for myself? Life is short. It's You should really you know, also enjoy it. Thank you. I think uh, that's a lovely metaphor that you're using, right? Prioritizing and focus because meditation in like in many ways is just focusing your attention. And when we are too busy or we are too distracted, like it's saying no to those distractions is what becomes difficult. And like uh, if you are in a calm and meditative state, you can see very clearly what matters here. And then I need to focus there that it makes saying no to a lot of things very easy mm -hmm. and also builds that courage to, to have that clarity to say that, okay, no, right? Otherwise, yeah. uh, in a state of being too busy, you always feel guilt by saying no. But yeah. if you are coming from that calm state, you know why you're saying no, and that makes it so much more mm. uh, meaningful, right? Exactly. Wonderful. Thank you for yeah. uh, adding that and uh, sharing everything. And just to wrap it up, right? Can you share uh, what in your life are you most grateful for? Most grateful for? Well, I have to say I'm most grateful for my family. Because I think in the end, it's all about human connections and, you know, who can you share life with? And I think they say like a shared joy is a double joy. So, yeah, I think I'm most grateful for my family. Absolutely. Wonderful. I think a shared joy is double the joy. I think a lot of the things uh, when people become entrepreneurs, they take in uh, stuff from either the engineering mindset or from the economic mindset. And in that, if you share something, you lose, right? If you share your money. You have less of money. But one thing which I've realized is in human emotions, in trust, in relationships, in courage, the more you demonstrate, the more you share, you actually get more of it. Uh, so I, I loved what you shared. And that's a wonderful like paradox to, uh, to end our episode as well. Uh, and before we end, right, for anybody who's listening, who wants to reach out, who wants to find out more about what you are up to, what's the best way for de them to do so? So you can check me on LinkedIn, Maria Pendanen. Easily. I have also, uh, um, how do you say, a webpage, Maria Pennan again. <laughs> or you can check what our company is doing. It's called uh, www.mindkeep.com. So you can see what if there's something interesting for you. So Thank happy you. to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, Maria, for sharing everything that you shared and for being who you are. I will ensure that once the episode is out, I will add the uh, links in the show notes uh, to your LinkedIn as well as to your website. Uh, and I want to wish you all the best for everything that lies ahead for you in this journey. Thank you very much, Sumit. It was a pleasure. Amazing. Same here. Wonderful. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast. And I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction. Not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, 
can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show and if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast and i love seeing your posts and guest suggestions this is what i do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light to help you see what you are already capable of to make sure you don't miss any episodes go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team if you want to know more go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on linkedin i want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality and i want to thank you for listening always remember that you are enough you are loved and you matter this is sumit until next time keep choosing leadership